Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Tuesday, July the 13th. Hope you're okay. Sadly today, our top story is about racism in football. Seems more than shocking, doesn't it, that in 2021, we're still talking about players being targeted by some so-called fans because of the colour of their skin. Bukayo Saka, Marcus Rashford and Jaden Sancho have all been subjected to horrible messages after missing penalties in England's shootout against Italy in the Euro 2020 final on Sunday night. Boris Johnson says those responsible should be ashamed of themselves, while England captain Harry Kane says those who sent racist abuse are not England fans and are unwanted. Well, a petition calling for racists to be banned for life from all football games in England has received over 800,000 signatures. Govinda Sander is from the Kent Equality Cohesion Council. He's been speaking to our political editor, Paul Francis. Clearly, it shows we've still got a problem. I mean, this time last year, you know, when it's Black Lives Matter, I kept being told this is a, an American issue while we said, you know, while we uh, are highlighting it here in the UK. But you can see now, you know, why it's important that it is highlighted, you know, whether we like it or not, there still is an undercurrent of racism in society. And at times like this, it kind of comes to the fore. I mean, it is still a minority, which I'm pleased to say, you know, particularly, you know, we look in Kent and sort of positive work that takes place. But whether we like it or not, racism hasn't disappeared. And someone myself who's been a victim of racism growing up and, you know, and still get it from time to time online, I think it's really important that we as a nation stand together not just with the footballers, but, you know, stand together and call out this racism for what it is. Do you think the government is doing enough to, as you say, call out this kind of racism? There's been some criticism of Priti Patel's earlier comments. Does it need to be much more robust? I think the government does need to be a lot more robust. You know, there was a lot of discussion at the beginning around, you know, the England players taking the knee. And for me, that was great. I was very disappointed. I mean, I think the government is there to lead and it's also there to bring communities together and by um you know kind of playing kind of politics with that you know at the beginning of the tournament i think it you know it allowed uh people it gave them encouragement so the fact that you know england players are representing our nation a diverse team you know representing a diverse nation were taking a knee because they wanted to highlight that the fact there is racism that exists in society and they were getting booed by our own fans and I think the government were, were said, you know, they could have been a lot more stronger at the beginning. This should not have been an issue. I mean, the Premier League uh, team's been doing it and it, it does send a powerful message. And it's uh, a way for us to still have that discussion and understand, you know, the racism does exist and there's more that needs to be done. And having seen this now at the end, at the end of the final, was it a surprise? Not at all. I mean, I was saying to my um, sons and, you know, my family, as soon as England lost, I said, I said you what watch and see the racist abuse that will follow. And, you know, you wake up on Monday morning, disappointed, obviously, about the result. But to be honest, that power in insignificance to the hurt I felt for those players. And, you know, the young boys, they really are young boys. So it's really disappointing. And we as a nation need to do more to call it out and stand together. Hey, Govinda, that is a quite a dispiriting assessment of where we are. What do you think in practical terms could be the measures that the government needs to uh, introduce? You know, are there things it's it's not doing now which it should be doing? I mean, it, it's clear, I think, you know, more needs to be done in terms of the social media platforms. 
So someone like myself growing up, you know, when I was racially abused, it was racially abused in person. Yeah. And I look at the casework now, it's a lot less about it done in person and open. It's more done where people hide behind uh, social media. So I feel that, you know, the government needs to be working with the social media companies. and There's got to be more that needs to be done around that. And also I feel that as a country, you know, be it the government or as, an, as a nation, we do need to recognise that, you know, there is racism still in society. It says much, much better than when I was growing up and even when my parents would arrive from India. But it doesn't mean that it's all, you know, sorted. And, and you know, this it isn't, shouldn't just be seen as an American issue or an issue for other countries. Or sometimes often it's seen as a European issue. Um, you know, we need to recognise that there are still challenges there and that we as a nation need to stand together and that leadership needs to come from the government, but it needs to go all the way down. So from organisation charities like mine, you know, be it local councils, be it police forces, be the private sector. This is for all of us to come together. And at this time, you know, talking about all of us coming together, we need to all come together and, you know, stand up against racism and stand up in support of our diverse and, you know, really great England football team. As Govinda mentioned, a lot of abuse has been posted on social media. Well, I've been speaking to Carol Stewart from the Medway African and Caribbean Association and asked what the likes of Facebook and Twitter should be doing about it. It's got to be across all forms of social media, but also the press as well. I think where, where you've got people that are called like your keyboard races, you know, who stir up this kind of um, myth and stereotype and, and this hatred that's, that's permeated for every asset of society, social media companies in particular have a huge responsibility. You know, they, they, can, they can delete somebody's account, um, just like they did with Donald Trump for insurrection. You know, why can't they do the same for these people? Because I think if you if you take away that power, because social media, people use it because they, 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 they do hide behind it because they're not having to go in your face about it. But when you take away that ability to communicate your your hatred to others, then that that I, I think in itself will, will send a strong message. I suppose there could be key words, couldn't there, that, that get flagged up, kind of like red flags almost, the social media companies, that they block that account and then go and look into it, see what was actually posted and perhaps... They do. I mean, it's, it's the same, they do the same with COVID. So whenever you post something that's COVID related, it flags it up. And, you know, Twitter and, and Facebook, they check things, they do fact checking. So I, I don't see why they can't do the same. But, you know, but some people will use symbols, they'll use emojis, you know, um, there's, I know there's a, a campaign at the moment to have verified IDs for social media accounts, but, you know, very, which, which would be great if they had that, but you'll still have people that will get around the system. We've also been asking on our socials what you think to the idea of supporters being banned. Well, Natasha says on Facebook, not just a ban, but a fine or criminal record in general. Just seems that there are no consequences nowadays for others spreading hate publicly. Susan added that they should have a criminal record and lifetime ban from all ticketed events. Lisa says absolutely, 100%. There's no room in our society for any kind of racism. Lee says they should be named and shamed too. You can also have your say by leaving a comment. Elsewhere, a Kent theatre has cancelled a comedian's upcoming gig after he made racist comments following England's penalty heartbreak in the Euros final. Andrew Lawrence has since deleted his Twitter account. He was due to perform at the Hazlitt in Maidstone in October, but bosses have now axed the show and he's been dropped by his agent.
Kent MP is facing criticism after saying people still have the right to boo footballers who take the knee. Sittingbourne and Sheppey's Gordon Henderson has condemned the racist abuse of England players and is calling for social media companies to do more to tackle it. But he says we should allow people to protest the support given to the Black Lives Matter campaign, even though he doesn't agree with it. And finally, on this issue today, the boss of a tattoo shop in Tunbridge Wells says customers who share racist abuse online will be barred and won't have their deposits returned. Steve Legg, who runs Black and Even, condemned the comments aimed at some of England's players. He's also signed up to the town's Safe Place scheme, which offers school kids threatened with bullying a place of refuge. Kent Online News. Other top stories today, and a 10-year-old girl has died after being hit by a car in Dartford. She was taken to a London hospital with serious injuries following the collision on Watling Street near the junction with Meadow Way on Saturday evening, but died last night. A man in his 50s was arrested at the scene and released on bail until next month. A Met police officer from Chatham has pleaded not guilty to causing death by dangerous driving. PC Edward Welch was charged after a child and his aunt were killed during a police chase in South East London in 2016. The 32-year-old's due back in court in October. A former employee who targeted a Marden-based company in a revenge cyber attack has been sent to prison. A court heard Nicholas Creevey's actions put 150 jobs at risk. The 32-year-old from Bedfordshire has been locked up for two and a half years after admitting charges including hacking company computers and diverting wages. Southern Water has been named as the worst water company in the country for environmental performance. The Environment Agency is warning serious pollution incidents are still causing a problem. Southern Water, you might remember, was fined a record £90 million last week for dumping 21 billion litres of sewage into the sea, including around Kent. Now, the boss of a Kent theatre says they can't wait to welcome full audiences back now that Freedom Day has been confirmed. All restrictions will be lifted next Monday, so no social distancing will have to take place in auditoriums. The future of the Hazlitt and Maidstone was at risk midway through the pandemic. I've been catching up with General Manager Martin Cleverly. It's been uh, a long time coming uh, for our industry in particular. Um, and I'm, I'm talking about our industry across the board, from, from actors right through to, to running uh, venues. Um, but we're, we're extremely excited to, to get this opportunity um, to bring audiences back in. Um, we will be advising certain things like, you know, keep your face mask on if, if you wish to, but won't be making it mandatory. Um, but we want to recreate the atmosphere that we had in our venue before. And um, we're just going to do that safely and appropriately. But, but yeah, we can't wait. What's the situation been like over the past few months when you were allowed to, to have some audiences back in? Have you done socially distanced shows like some other theatres? Yep. Um, uh, in, in fact, I ha we had a customer that came to see the show that was um, was so impressed with uh, our setup, um, our routing, our social distancing, uh, the use of face masks, sanitizers, that um, that she voiced her opinion in comparison to a to a trip she had been on the week before to the West End. Um, uh, I've got to say, the audiences uh, have taken on board uh, the, the the processes and procedures brilliantly, um, and you know. We went into it fearing some sort of kickback or backlash or we're not going to do this, we're not going to do that. But, you know, on the whole, um, it's been accepted and um, it, it, it's given us the opportunity to, if, if and touch wood, it doesn't happen again. If it does happen again, it gives us the confidence to know what we did uh, when we were under restrictions was, was the right thing to do. 
I think it seems that as long as people feel safe and they know that you've put in all the all the measures, they you know, and they're happy to go along, then they're going to accept that. But I guess for, from your point of view, obviously from from the nineteenth, you're going to be able to have full audiences again. What do you think the appetite is going to be for that though? Because you've just said someone really appreciated all the measures that were put in place, and within the space of a week, not a huge amount is going to change as far as the number of cases, etc. They're still pretty high. What are your thoughts going into next week? If you were to, if you were to look, if you were to take ticket sales as your proof of that, there is still uh, a hesitancy in in our audiences, and I think what they need is they need to make that leap of faith and and come along and see it. And then I think what we'll see is a spike in our ticket sales uh, as more and more people come in and realise that you know it it. It is manageable. We can do this safely, um, and we are doing it safely. Um, so that there is there is some people being you know uh, you know kind of backing off, but we've got other shows that have completely sold out. Um, so again, type of show, type of demographic that suits that show, all of these factors are kind of. Um, are making each case very bespoke, I would say. But uh, I, I think it won't be long before people will know it's safe and they can come back in and, and enjoy themselves. I guess it's all going to come down to confidence, isn't it, and how people are, are generally feeling. Um, you mentioned there about face masks. Obviously, they won't be mandatory, but some people will still choose to wear them. Is there anything that you are going to keep in place in the theatre just because you want to protect your staff or actually you think this works quite well anyway, so we're going to keep it? Um, we, 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 when we reopened, uh, we put new screens in the box office. Uh, we're certainly going to keep those uh, because they haven't hindered the process when a customer comes in. Um, and in fact, I think both the box office staff and customers have appreciated having that, that uh, cover there. Um, upstairs, we at the moment, we do have a quite a strict um, one-way system. Um, but we are going to remove that. Um, but we're going to allow for a bit more space in our bars by not putting as much furniture back in so that the flow can, um, you know, ha happen a bit more freely. Um, but it's difficult because, you know, technically we've got one way into the auditorium and it's the same uh, entrance to come back out. Um, we're going to, as I said, masks, we're going to advise that you wear them, but they're not mandatory. Uh, that's for staff as well. We've got hand sanitizing stations built in now, and we're going to keep uh, all of those. Um, and kind of a kind of nod to social distancing where possible. So when you're in a bar or when you're going to the loo, you know, maybe give yourself some space. Kent Online reports. The rail regulator says safety needs to be improved in the southern region following the deaths of two workers. The area, which includes Kent, is Network Rail's best performing region, according to a new report. But the Office of Rail and Road says action is needed to assess the condition of bridges and other structures. The owners of a fast food restaurant have defended their plans to open in Canterbury, not far from Britain's oldest school. There was some concern a wraps and wings on Palace Street next to King's could cause extra traffic and litter. But bosses say it'll be sympathetic 
aesthetic to the surrounding area and blend in with other businesses. They've also promised it won't be noisy and won't serve alcohol. The good one for star spotters in Kent tonight, Mars and Venus will both be visible in the night sky. They're going to be really close together, something known as a conjunction, and will appear not far from the moon. Venus will be the brighter of the two planets, which you should be able to see with the naked eye if, of course, the clouds stay away. Well, Michael Smith is a professor of astronomy at the Uni of Kent. He's been chatting to Joe from our colleagues at KMTV. Possibly just after sunset, you'll be able to see Venus very bright on the western horizon, just where the sun had gone down, say, half an hour before. Venus will be there very, very bright. And... Uh, What's exciting about tonight is that there is a conjunction with Mars, which means that they pass quite close together. Although Mars is, is not very bright, it, it appears just like a, an ordinary star and uh, can be quite hard to see. But Venus is so bright and that should point to Mars just being over towards the left. And not only that, but the moon just so happens to be passing at this time also. So that's what makes it a really nice picture having all three with very close together within a few degrees tonight. How common is this, Michael, to, to see all three in one, in one yeah. telescope, I imagine? Mars and Venus become quite close together in the sky. So, so it's not in reality they're far apart, but they become quite close together in the sky in, project, in projection. So that, that will happen, say, about once every two years, roughly, that that, that will happen. They have to pass each other when along their orbits. But actually, there are two more next year. I mean, it's they go in these little sets, these little two or three clusters together within a year like this. But then also this time, the moon will be passing between July the 12th and July the 14th. The moon makes its way across and it's it goes faster across the sky, so somehow it kind of overtakes it. And uh, so that's the lucky thing. And uh, for the moon to be there means that. That chance there is reduced by another factor of about 10 or so, I think. So, so it's, a, you could, it's probably about a one in 20 or one in 30 year phenomena to see all three so close together. Um, how exciting is this for you as an astronomer to see tonight? And, and what would be your top tips for people who want to watch it this evening? It would be fascinating to see Mars there because it'd be normally very, not very easy to see it because Mars at the moment is a quite a large distance away. That's why we, we wouldn't normally be looking for it now because it's really more or less on the opposite side of the sun to us in its orbit. But there we can see it will be pinpointed by Venus being close by there. So that's quite exciting to see it like that. Actually, see, just seeing Venus sometimes in the summer like this, because it's so incredibly bright where it is now, even though it's quite far away, but because it reflects light off the sun to us, it's just at that right angle to act like a mirror to reflect the maximum amount of light. So Venus will be extremely bright there and you'll probably be able to see it before the sun goes down even. And to see all three together, is, it should be a beautiful sight. And a small music venue in Tunbridge Wells has received a bit of abuse online after tickets to see Rag and Bone Man sold out in less than a minute. He's performing at the forum next month, but there's only room for 250 people and many fans have been left disappointed.